0: First Timothy chapter number four started a series on doctrine, amen. And uh, we've been covering some doctrines of death. I don't know how far we're going to go on all that, but we're we'll going go ahead and get started. Uh, First Timothy four, verse one, and now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith. and uh, I would, I would almost make that most. <laughs> Amen. It's a whole lot people departing from the faith. Amen. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having a conscience seared with hot iron, forbidding to marry. The Roman Catholic Church forbids to marry. Uh, the priests, they want a celibate priesthood. They teach that Mary was celibate. That's what they call the Immaculate Conception. It's a bunch of heresies. They're, they got nothing but a bunch of fornicating uh, bachelors. Seeing how they're told not to find a wife, and the nuns, there's tons of nuns that's had babies. There's tons of priests that's gotten them pregnant. Uh, the history is unbelievable. This pope that's now in there that's supposedly trying to clean up the scandal, the sex scandal of the church, of all these priests molesting little boys. They allow them, like the Bible said, a bishop to be the husband of one wife, they wouldn't have these men doing the atrocities that they're doing. And then it says commanding abstain from meats. Amen. They tell you you gotta abstain from meat. That's why they have fish on Friday. At one time it used to be a uh, a mortal sin to eat meat on Friday it means you die and go to hell. That's how they held that doctrine over people's heads. Then they changed it, and I don't know if they changed it back. But uh, one, and like a friend of mine that was raised Catholic, he goes, when they changed it to venial sins instead of mortal sin, he said, I wonder if everybody went to hell that ate fish on Friday or ate meat on Friday got exempted from hell when they changed the doctor. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Amen. Uh, commanding stains from meats, which God has commanded me to receive with thanksgiving of them, which... Uh, believe and know the truth. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. God we ask you to bless, bless our Sunday school for thy glory and for thy honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. We covered some doctrines of the devil. Amen. One of them being baptismal regeneration, right? What is baptismal regeneration? They believe that baptism washes away your sins. They believe baptism saves you. They, but ultimately, like the Church of Christ, they don't believe that saves you, do they? They believe that's just one step in a process because they believe you got to live it. See, they don't actually believe that you got to admit, believe, (laughs) confess, repent, be baptized, and keep the commandments. They, they don't believe none of that really saves you. What they believe is that you got to have a a life that exemplifies holy living and you got to live right. After you've done everything that they require of you to do and you still don't have no assurance in your heart that you're saved until you get there and face them. That's what an apostolic preacher wrote me in a letter. He said he's saved. He's done everything they told him to do. He's come up out of the water speaking in an unknown tongue, baptized in Jesus' name and everything. By the way, how does he know he said in Jesus' name? He doesn't know that. He's just taking that by faith. But he says nobody can know they're saved until you stand before God and know it. Well, it's contrary to the Bible, ain't it? Mm-hmm. Right? Give me one verse that shows beyond a shadow of a doubt you can know you're saved. One verse. First, first job. Let's look at first job, chapter number five. Listen, I, I like knowing for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt I'm saved. I'm glad it's not left in the hands of the preacher. I'm glad it's not left amen to the denominational heads and popes and priests and and uh, I'm glad that I can know. Amen. I'm glad I have assurance in my heart of salvation. 1st John chapter 5 was looking verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath a witness in himself. Amen. The witness will be there. The Holy Ghost will be in there. He'll be a witness inside your heart. Right? He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of His Son. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath what? Life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. That's real simple, ain't it? Do you have the Son? You don't get the Son being baptized. <laughs> you don't get the Son eating a wafer. You don't get the Son putting on a pair of funny underwear and peddling on a bicycle. You don't get the Son by selling Watchtower literature. Amen. You only get the Son by faith. Galatians 3.26. You're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, To as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. You understand? Verse 13. These things have I written on you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Have you done that? That you may what? Know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Mm -hmm. Right? Let's go to Romans. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I know I have eternal life. It's not based upon what I've done, it's based on who I received and its faith. You know, a lot of people put emphasis on what they felt when they got saved. I don't care what you felt. There's a lot of people who go through an emotional experience. Amen. But it doesn't mean they got saved. Verse nine. Watch this. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be what? Isn't that pretty simple? You know what that belief there is? It's not just a head knowledge. It's you placing faith. In the facts that Christ did it for you, and you've received Him, look at what it says, verse ten: For with the heart man believeth what. On righteousness. See, there's the key. See so where's the key at? Verse three: For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, not submit themselves on righteousness of God. For Christ is in the law for righteousness. Everyone that what? Believeth. The issue's on righteousness. And the issue is that me and you got to show some sinner that they're not righteous. They cannot get in heaven. Romans 3 10. There's none righteous. No, not one. There's none righteous. Romans 3 19. That all the world may become guilty before God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3 23. Everybody's sinned. Everybody's falling short. There's no man. There's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Everybody's a sinner. You understand? There's none good, no, not one. Every you when you when you deal with somebody, you gotta can show them the Bible says you're no good. They gotta take God's side against themselves. Really, you're right. I ain't no good. Okay, then there's nothing you can do to save yourself. Then, right? You gotta believe on to righteousness. A man asked Paul one day, "Sirs, what must I do to be saved?" Right? And what was his answer? Believe, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. You got to believe on. You got to put your faith on him. Listen, it's like you betting. I'm going to place my bet on Jesus Christ. Put it all on him. 100%. I'm putting everything. I'm not going 10% Jesus, 90% me. You understand? I bet my eternal soul, never dying soul, on Jesus Christ. 100%, lock, stock, and barrel. Not Mary, not Paul, not Peter. It's on Lord Jesus Christ. What he did. Amen. I'm believing on him. I'm relying on him to save me. If I'm going to get saved and pulled out of the fiery pits of hell it's going to have to be through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ has got to be the Savior. 100%. Look at what it says verse 5. As Moses described what? The righteousness. the righteousness which is of the law that a man which doeth those things shall live by them. See it's works. It's Old Testament salvation. It's works. These guys just don't believe there's any difference. They're cuckoo. The Old Testament guys had to prove they had faith. They had to exercise faith. They had to go to their flocks and they had to purchase a lamb or doves. They had to provide the sacrifice. They had to do. They had to give the shekels. They had to come to the sanctuary. They had to have their sins forgiven by the works of the law. They had to live it Meaning you don't have to live it. <laughs> Amen. Verse 6 But the righteous which is of what? Faith speaketh on this wife. Say not thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from heaven. Or sh- who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is what? Nine, Nine. it means it's close even in thy mouth and in thy heart that is the word of faith that we preach that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shall believe in thine heart God raised from the dead thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believeth on the righteous with the mouth confession is made on salvation for the scripture saith watch this whosoever believeth on him shall not what (laughs) there's a public confession of faith that you make hey I took Jesus Christ to be my Lord my Savior with the mouth confession is made on the what so therefore, he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall not be what? When you take Christ, you'll say, hey, I identify myself with the Lord Jesus Christ. I've taken him to be my Lord, my Savior. I am making a public declaration of that. You will tell people that you've received Christ. And you know what? You won't be ashamed. Why? Because you realize that he saved you, he changed you, and you're willing to stand up and confess him. That's why we have... A baptismal service that's why I don't have a whole lot of people to baptize they ain't coming in by the groves to get saved but if we did I'd be baptizing them and they would stand up publicly in front of their family and friends that come to see them get baptized and they'd say I'd say why are you getting baptized today because I've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior I put my faith in him upon your profession of faith my sister my brother whoever you may be I baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's upon their profession of faith. I'm not going to profess their faith. But it's a public profession of faith. that I have taken Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. See, you understand what I'm saying? That don't save them. That's just them telling you that they've placed their faith in Christ. You understand? And it says they won't be ashamed. <clears throat> Look at what it says. Verse 12. For there's no difference between the Jew, the Greek, the white, the black, the yellow, the mm-hmm. red. Amen. The same Lord over all is rich on all that what? Call upon him. For whosoever shall what? Call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Did you ever use a phone? <clears throat> you ever make a call? Huh? Let me ask you a question. If you want to buy a pizza tonight and you want to call, have it delivered to your house, what do you do? You stand on the back porch and, hey, Domino! <laughs> no, you don't do that, do you? You pick up a phone and you what? You call. And they say, hi, this is Domino's or Donato's or Pizza Hut or whoever, which one you like. They call and they say, may I help you? And you said, yes, I'd like to have a pizza. pizza. You know what you do when you call upon the name of the Lord? Hello, Lord. Yeah, this is wretched. This is a miserable sinner, lost and undone, going to hell, and I don't want to go. And I need you. And I'm asking you to save me. You understand? you got to call him up from the heart. Tell them what you want. That's, you know, it's not just sitting there, well, I believe you should. Listen, you got to believe he died buried and rose again. you got to know the facts. You don't know the facts. you got to know and trust what he's done as a substitute payment for you. And you receive him to be your payment. Right? Verse 14. How shall they call upon him whom they've not what? Believed. how shall they believe in him who they've not how shall they hear without a it's not just a pastor of a local church that's somebody going out and telling them how to be saved Acts 8 4 tells you men and women went everywhere preaching not pastoring churches preaching telling people about Jesus Christ and the resurrection it's your responsibility just as much as my responsibility to go out there and reach people that's not reached with the gospel and tell them about Christ and how that he died and shed his blood for them and that he rose again the third day to give them hope and life. And if they'll repent and come to him and trust him, they can be saved. It's that simple. Look at verse 15. How shall they preach except they be sinned? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings and good things. Would you like to see my feet? They're beautiful. <laughs> <Hey>. Amen? Amen? <laughs> Verse 16. But they have not all what? Obeyed, Obeyed the gospel. He said, said Lord, doeth what? Mm-hmm. Believing the gospel is obeying the gospel. You understand? When you place faith, when you exercise faith in the gospel, that's believing. it. So, verse 17. So, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Amen. word of God. Let's go to Romans 6. Romans 6. I was teaching you sound doctrine, teaching you how you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're saved. Amen. People want to make fun of that. Well, they go ahead and make fun of it all they want. The bottom line is you got to exercise faith in the facts you don't know the facts you can how would you know to even call right verse 17 but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin right but ye have what obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered on you you know what you do you obey by faith from the heart say you when a man puts exercises faith in the gospel, he obeys the gospel. You understand? Now Church of Christ says you want to exercise faith in the gospel you get baptized. Baptism is the first step of obedience and faith they'll tell you. The first step of obedience and faith is to receive Christ and take him to be your Lord and Savior and confess him. You know what to produce obedience? I like what A.W. Tozer says about obedience, and I and I, I believe in it. There's some brethren who don't like this. He said, faith, as the Bible knows, it is confidence in God and His Son, Jesus Christ. That's pretty good, ain't it? Mm-hmm. Faith is confidence in God and His Son, Jesus Christ. It is the response of the soul to the divine character as revealed in the Scripture. Even the response, even this response, is impossible apart from prior inner working of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Faith is a gift of God to a penitent soul and has nothing whatsoever to do with the senses or data they afford. Faith is a miracle. It is ability God gives to trust his son. Anything that does not result in action in accord with the will of God is not faith, but something else short of it. Faith and morals are two sides of the same coin. Indeed, the very instance of faith is moral. Any professed faith in Christ as personal savior that does not bring the life under plenary obedience to Christ as Lord is inadequate and must be betrayed, must betray the victim at the last. The man that believes will obey. Failure to obey is convincing proof that there is not true faith present. An attempt to attempt the impossible, God must give faith, or there will be none and he gives faith to the obedient heart only. Where real repentance is, there is obedience. For repentance is not only sorrow for past sins and failures, watch it. Repent er, repentance is not only sorrow for past sins and failures, it is also a determination to begin now to do the will of God as he reveals it to us. You understand? A lot of people are sorry for the past sins, but there's nowhere in their heart are they prepared to live for God and follow God as a result of that true repentance. God, I'm sorry and I've done wrong and now I want to do right. And they turn to God with a heart that wants to do right. And when the will of God is revealed to them, they'll say, okay, I'll obey that. I'll do it. You know, when it was revealed to me, they said, you need to be at church every Sunday. Okay. You need to be at church every time the door's open. Okay. You need to give 10%. Okay. You need to take your Bible and read it every day. Okay. <laughs> you understand it produced an obedient heart. God said, don't go there no more, don't play with that sin, okay? You understand? Produced an obedient heart. When my children, I discipline them. It's because, mostly because they disobeyed. And when they're sorry, they begin to obey. You understand? Obedience. That's what God's demanding of his children. Why did Adam and Eve fall into sin? Disobeyed. You understand? And uh, so when I got saved from the heart, I didn't want to go to hell and I got saved. And now that he saved me, I had a heart willing to follow him and do whatever he wanted me to do. Obedience. Amen. I like that. There's a lot of preachers don't like that. You know why? Because they're expecting something out of their converts and they're getting nothing. Maybe they're doing a bunch of this this, this one, two, three repeat after me stuff and they're getting a bunch of people saved up here, but they're not getting them saved there because if they get saved there there's something genuinely is going to happen. If they really realize that they're lost and they're undone, they're going to burn in hell, that they're truly returning to God because they're sorry for their sin and they don't, want to, they don't want to get in trouble with God again, they'll forsake that thing. They'll turn from it. And God will give them the right right faith. Faith is a gift, right? Let's look at Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter number two. Preachers try to explain away why they get all these professions of faith, but then they don't get no no possessions of faith. There's no there's no transformation power in people's lives. Maybe they're maybe they're watering down the gospel when they're giving it to people. There ought to be, there ought to be a genuine, amen. There ought to be a genuine repentance, amen. Verse eight. Well, by grace are you what saved, saved. how yes. and that not of what yourselves. yourselves it is the gift of God faith is a gift of God you understand not of works lest any man should boast. there's nothing you can do to earn it it's a, it's, it's a gift and when the gospel is revealed to you and you come and you receive Christ he gives you faith to receive him And genuine repentance. Amen. You're sorry for what you've done. Godly sorrow worketh repentance not to be repented of. Amen. People people need to understand that. And there's preachers out there that's telling you nobody's got to repent. And if you repented that's a work. And you're going to die and go to hell. And I'm telling you you're nuts. Amen. Amen. How do you know? Let's say it again one more time. Matthew 21. Just for those that are listening that want to shut the tape off or the mp3 player off because they i just went against their pet doctor amen paul said repentance toward god and faith in the lord jesus christ It's pretty simple that's paul doctrine. doctor matthew chapter 21 matthew 21 verse 32 for john came unto you in a way of righteousness and you believed him not but the publicans and harlots believed him and ye when ye had seen it repented not afterward that ye might believe repentance must come in order to be able to believe amen 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 I'm I'm telling you I believe the book I don't care what they say next we're talking about re-baptism regeneration we're talking about any kind of works for salvation next we're talking about the originals Amen. Uh, uh, People trying to get you to build your faith into original manuscripts. What's wrong with the original manuscripts? We don't have them. And you couldn't read them if you had them. Amen. And uh, they had to be put written down to where you could read them. And people are all trying to say that inspiration was given by God. And it was an act of God breathing. All scripture is given by inspiration, inspire, inspiration, right? and his fire has to do with spirit. The words that are speaking to you, they are spirit. They're alive. More people have been saved by the King James Bible than ever was saved by the originals. More lives have been changed, more homes have been built. Amen, the scriptures that Timothy had. Amen, he read the scriptures, it wasn't the originals. And those scriptures were what able to make him wise on a salvation. What makes me and you wise on salvation is the word of God that was given by the spirit And these book words are spirit and they are life. And this book is inspired. These men need to read their Bibles and get right instead of trying to pass something along. My faith is in the very words of God. Not original writings that God wrote and they're no longer available to us. God so cared so much about the originals he had them destroyed. Amen why because men would make an idol out of it they've made an idol out of it and they tell me I'm making an idol out of the King James Bible they're nuts I believe the very words of God I got a copy of them and I believe they're true and I believe there's no mistake in them amen and I don't believe no man can sit back and correct the book so who gave you that the Holy Ghost he's the one that wrote the book and I'll tell you just like I tell them all amen that if anybody tells you that there's a mistake in the Word of God they didn't get that from the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost wrote it and said it's perfect. It's complete. It's old. Amen. The very words of God are pure. Amen. I got the pure words of living God. Amen. Without flaw, without mistake. And if a man corrects his book, he's going to some other man to correct the book. Amen. You can, how, how reliable is your Bible? 100% if it's a King James Bible. Unless somebody's tampered with it. And they're tampering with King James Bibles and they're taking words out of there without you even knowing it. That's how crooked they are. Amen. Dax found one memorizing scriptures. He got a King James Bible and it just had to be a new updated printing and they changed words that he was, he was reading, went home compared it and noticed they're changing it. Got to be careful. Got to be careful. Amen. So, uh, next. We dealt with doctrines of the devils on limited atonement believing that uh Jesus Christ only died for the elect that's heresy amen Jesus Christ tasted death for every man and I don't care how they try to explain it away Jesus Christ paid not only for past sins but but future sins amen he tasted death for every man and then we dealt with sabbath worshipers people that want to say that only Sundays is the time you come to church or Saturdays and not Sundays we showed you that The Sabbath is not for the church. The Sabbath is for who? Israel. Amen. He said it's a sign between them and Israel. Signs are for the Jews. It's not for the church. The Ten Commandments they all want to try to live under. Paul quotes nine of them. He never quotes the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Amen. It's not Pauline doctrine. Paul said anything about the Sabbath, he said, he said it's a a uh, figure of things to come, amen. And they're all caught up about days. And then we dealt with the, nobody believing in a rapture, did we? Last week, I believe it was the week before last. Uh, we we're dealing about the rapture, and all these people are saying there's no rapture, no rapture. Everybody out there, there's no rapture, there's no rapture, or it's going to come in the mid trib, or it's going to be pre rath, there's going to be mid trib. And we showed you that there's the first resurrection has three parts. Christ the first fruits, we at His coming, then come at the end, right? Rapture comes in three parts, the resurrection. And uh, we at His coming, that's New Testament saints. Christ at His coming, uh, Christ the first, fruits, that's the Old Testament saints. Him at His coming, There's appearing, that's New Testament saints, then come at the end is the trip saints. Three parts. There's three uh, parts to the first resurrection. And we showed you that. And all these people that believe that don't read their Bible. Amen. They're going to the wrong places and the wrong spots to find and determine when and where the rapture is going to take place. There's so many people out there. You can get on YouTube. You can find it. They already believe we're in the tribulation. They're nuts. They're already trying to tell you when it started. They're nuts. I had a friend, and uh, he was trying to tell me he didn't, believe in a, he didn't believe in a pre-trib. He believed in a mid-trib. And we were talking. And I said, well, then what starts Daniel's 70th week? I said, what makes Daniel's week kick off then? When's it start? He goes, you believe the rapture does. I said, exactly. (laughs) It's just plain and simple. Daniel's 70th week picks up when the saints get pulled out. It's pretty simple. I I just don't understand why they won't see it. Uh, But the Holy Ghost ain't going to lead them to believe anything different. We're called to look for a blessed hope. Not called to look for the man of sin. We're not called to look for going through the tribulation, getting our heads cut off. The church is not mentioned through the tribulation period in the book of Revelation. Amen. Amen. Today, let's go to, for the next thing, let's go to Revelation 11. This is a mid-appearance, midway through the book of Revelation. It's another trip through the book of Revelation. One thing that people don't get when they go through the book of Revelation is, there's four trips through the book of Revelation, just like there's four gospels. You got the trumpets, you got the vials. Amen. And you got seals, you got the seals, then you got the trumpets and then you got the vials and then you got the personages and there's four different passings going through the book of Revelation and Armageddon shows up four or five different times there. And that's one thing that people don't understand because they don't see that God goes through and then God goes through and then God goes through because of the way it's written. Revelation is not chronological. Revelation chapter number 11, uh, verse 12. And they heard a voice from heaven saying unto them, come up hither. And they ascended up into heaven in a cloud and their enemies beheld them. In the same hour was a great earthquake and a tenth part of the city fell and the earthquake there was slain of men 7,000 and the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to, to the God of heaven. Amen? The second woe is passed and behold the third woe cometh quickly and the seventh angel sounded and there was great voices in heaven and the kingdoms of this world Amen? Are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign for what? I want you to notice somebody was caught up did you see that? Somebody was taken up. Verse 12 Come up hither after they're taken up, then another trumpet sounds. So it's not the last trump that everybody, all these pre-wrathers want to bring out and say. Somebody is caught up, just like John was caught up in Revelation 4:1. Somebody's caught up in Revelation 4:1. Somebody's caught up in 11:12. And people are being caught up, taken up. And so these guys are mixed up on the rapture when it's going to happen because they're trying to follow the trumpets in the book of Revelation. And a trumpet sounds after somebody else has caught up the second time in the book of Revelation. So they better get their doctrine straightened out. What I'm trying to show you is right here is where Jesus Christ comes back at Armageddon and sets up his kingdom. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of the Lord his Christ. And the 420 elders, verse 16, which sat before God on their seats. they Amen, fell on their faces and worshiped who? God saying, we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty. Amen. Which art, was, and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. Now you're through the thousand year millennium. Hast reigned. Past. It's over now. In just one verse. Verse 15, the kingdom shows up. And in verse 17, the kingdom's over. A thousand years passed. Now watch. Verse 18. And the nations were angry (laughs) I love it amen and thy wrath is come and the time of the dead that they should be judged and that thou should give rewards unto the servants thy prophets and the saints and to them that fear thy name uh, small and great thou shouldest destroy them to destroy the earth do you see that now you're dealing with the great white throne judgment a lot of people don't understand that they're all confused so what are you dealing with we're dealing with ameloneum you know what an all-millennialist is? Somebody that believes there's no millennium. Right there, the kingdom's coming. And the king, they went through the kingdom. It was past A thousand years. And you know what messes people up? Is you still got 11 more chapters of the book of Revelation. Why? Because you're going through the book of Revelation four times. And this is one of the trips through the book of Revelation. Revelation 14, you got Jesus coming back, treading out the winepress. Amen. Riding a white horse. And he's stomping them out. Amen. Revelation 16, he comes back. There's Armageddon. Revelation 17, amen. And then Revelation 19, he comes back on a white horse again. And at the end of Revelation 6, he shows up. They're hiding from the wrath of the Lamb when he shows up. So he comes through and he comes through and he comes through and he comes through and he goes through the book of Revelation. These people don't get it. One of the main reasons, one of the main reasons that people don't believe uh, these all-millennials, like some of Dak's friends, they don't believe that uh, the book of Revelation is because they believe it was written before 70 A.D. 70 A.D., Titus, an emperor, comes through and has Jerusalem leveled and destroyed. 40 years from the time Jesus Christ said it would happen, it happened. And they, they wiped them out. He said he won't leave one stone upon another. And they wiped it out and destroyed the temple. And uh, everybody says that was the book of Revelation being fulfilled. So now they say John had to write that beforehand. So they're trying to say that that book was written like in 63 AD when Paul was writing all his writings. John didn't write the book of Revelation until 96 AD, 25 plus years after the destruction of Israel. You understand? And the word of God was completed. This book is real, it's future, it's gonna happen. All the Ammonists say it's past, it's done, and what they do is they allegorize the Bible. Let's turn to Galatians. Galatians chapter number four. You have to be careful for what these men are doing. They don't believe the Bible literally. And to believe like an Amalini you got to believe that three fourths of your Bible is false and it's wrong and it's not true. And you got to explain it away. Look at what it says. Verse 22. Galatians 4.22. For it is written that Abraham had what? Two sons. One by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. Isn't that right? Hagar was a bondmaid and Sarah was a free woman. But he who was of woman—that who is bondwoman. That, who is that? It's Ishmael, right? Was born after what? The flesh. They got the flesh. They went ahead and tried to have a child, right? And tried to get the promise of God by doing it their own way. But the free woman was by what? Promise. God came up to Sarah and he said, hey, at this same time, come next year, you know, you're, you're going to have a child. And you're gonna call him the name Isaac. She laughed. And he laughed. And next thing you know, they called him Isaac. And guess what? Isaac means laughter. And she had a child by the promise of God. Amen. Which things are an allegory? You know what it was? There's a story behind it. And he's trying to go through and show you. He said, For these are two covenants. One from the Mount Sinai, which generates bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia answers to Jerusalem which now is and is in bondage with the children but Jerusalem which is free or which is above is free which is the mother of us all so he takes he takes Hagar and makes her Mount Sinai where they got the law and then he takes the next Mount amen Mount Sion and says that's picture of Sarah Sarah's a picture of Mount Sion which is above amen which is the mother of us all so he turned around and he's using two mountains as pictures with these two women and he creates a story to try to show you truth well what all these all millennials do is they take anything in the bible and they spiritualize it make stories out of it that it really doesn't mean what it says that's all i'm trying to say is what they try to do they try to spiritualize the whole book and it really nothing means what it actually says And you know what? You're going to get in so much trouble. If you don't believe the very words of God and what it says literally, you're in trouble. Unless it cannot be literal. You understand? There's types in the Bible. Jesus Christ, behold, the Lamb of God was taking away the sin of the world. He was a sacrifice as a lamb. Right? Let's go to Acts 2. You you, you must understand that when the Bible wants to spiritualize something, it'll tell you. When the Bible wants you to know a Hebrew word, it'll tell you in the Hebrew tongue saying such and such, he'll let you know, right? He'll tell you in revelation nine, the Greek word for boom, he'll tell you the Hebrew word, he'll tell you. Acts chapter two, verse one. And when the day of Pentecost was what fully come, this is a literal feast day. Okay. Amen. it's not a denomination. I don't care what all, all these people want to do. They say they're following Pentecost because of Acts chapter two. It was fully come with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. What? As did was it a literal? It was as a rushing mighty wind. Did a wind come blowing in there? It didn't say a wind blew in there, did it? It said a sound from heaven. As see. The Bible didn't say it was a literal wind, but those people believe it was a literal wind. And they're waiting for the literal wind to blow. You understand? And so Will will even make comments like, Lord, we just asked the wind to blow here tonight, referring to the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and we're not talking about literal wind. We're talking about the moving of the Spirit of God, according to John 3, verse 8. Right. Now, watch what it says. As of a mighty rushing wind, it filled all the house where they were sitting. What's it? The sound filled all the house. Watch it. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues what? As a fire. No. Like as of fire. Like fire. Didn't say fire sat on their head. All these charismatics want to take Jesus uh, you know Je- I baptize you with water and every one come with me baptize you with the Holy Ghost comma and with fire. they are all looking for the fire of the Holy Ghost. Because this and that verse in Matthew chapter 3 verse 11 and they're combining together and they're waiting for the fire to fall and they're claiming the fire is the Holy Ghost sitting on everybody's head if you read the context of Matthew 3 11 and 12 fire there is hellfire. they'll burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire it doesn't say it's fire it says it's like as a fire and it sat on each of them and they are all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with what? didn't say unknown tongues did it said other as the Spirit gave the utterance, and they were dwelling in Jerusalem who Jews devout men out of every nation under heaven why why are the Jews there out of every nation the reason they're there is to fulfill the Feast of Pentecost Deuteronomy 16 16 three times a year were the Jews to show up first fruits right Passover and unleavened bread, that's the first set of feasts. 50 days later was Pentecost. And then later on, a few months later, it was tabernacles, trumpets, and atonement. Those three feasts, those Jews had to show up to honor those three feasts three times a year. So they come out of every nation under heaven to come and observe the Feast of Pentecost. Verse six, now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because they heard every man speaking his mumbo jumbo. He heard him how? Now, wait a minute. How did he hear him in his own language? I thought it was some unknown gift by the Holy Ghost. These people don't know what they're talking about. I'm telling you, they don't, can't read plain English. Why? Because they want to spiritualize the text and make it say something it doesn't say. Doesn't say unknown tongues. And these people understood what they were saying. There's a recognized dialect. Watch what it says, verse 7. And they were all amazed and marveled. Amen, saying one another, Behold, are not all these who? Briars? Rednecks? Hillbillies? Ridge runners? Huh? Right? That's what it's saying. Listen, that's what a Galilean was considered to be. The guy that lived on the other side of the track, he's a hick. He's just an old dumb hick. He, these Galileans don't know nothing. You understand? That's what the, that's what the implication is. When you call him a Galilean, you're, you're just saying he's just a dumb, dumb hillbilly what they're basically trying to that's how you would say it today that's how they're looking down their nose they're not educated like us right how, how to work with Galilee and learn another language they're a bunch of dummies behold not all these who speak are Galileans verse 8 how we what? Hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born isn't that amazing they hear it and now you got all these different branches and fractions of the Pentecostals and Charismatics all claiming to be speaking in some unknown tongue and they all want to claim they got the gift according to Acts chapter number two and everybody heard them in their own language they didn't need an interpreter they were interpreting <laughs> right there the people understood it Parthenians Medes, Elamites dwellers in Mesopotamia Judea Cappadocia Pontus Asia Phrygia, Pamphylia and Egypt and in parts of Libya about Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretes, and Arabians. Do we hear them speak in our tongues? The wonderful works of God. you understand? It's plain and simple, isn't it? See? And what they want to do is they want to spiritualize it. They want to turn around and make it unknown tongues. First Corinthians 14 hadn't even been written yet. And what a charismatic will do is he'll go over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 14 and he'll take unknown tongues out of 1 Corinthians 14 and come over there and dump all the unknowns in Acts chapter 2. There ain't no unknown tongue in Acts chapter 2. Right? Then they go to 1 Corinthians 14 and take Acts 2 and put the baptism of the Holy Ghost in there. There ain't no baptism of the Holy Ghost in 1 Corinthians 14. What do they do? They combine them. They shake it all up and... They confuse everybody, start denominations, and then they go through this demonic experience and everybody goes, oh, they got the Holy Ghost. You said, you call that what they're doing a demonic? Yes, yes, it's demonic. It's crooked. It's wicked. It's wrong. It's unscriptural. They're twisting the scriptures of their own destruction. They're deceiving millions. Amen. Damnable doctrines and heresies. You understand? You understand? And they're saying, that's proof that you got the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, it's a lie straight out of hell. I'm telling you, if you're doing all that, you got a devil. And I say that with confidence. Amen. Confidence what? The Word of God. I believe the book. I don't rewrite the book. I read what the book says and preach what it says. And What these guys do is they allegorize it, spiritualize it, and they change it because that gives them liberty to make it fit what they believe. Me and you are not to take the Bible and, and make it say what we believe. I got a bunch of Baptist doctrines and I'm going to make the Bible fit my Baptist doctrines. You're going to mess people up. Hey Amen. You better, you better believe the Bible and make sure your doctrines fit the Bible. And if they don't, change your doctrines. But people don't know how to rightly divide the book and they don't know how to believe what they read. When it says as, it's a comparison. It's likened on to something one of the greatest things you'll ever get is understand when the Bible says like or as that you say hey here's something I need to compare it's a comparison you understand it didn't say that's what it is it's a comparison and what people do is get all mixed up and these amillennials they turn around and they spiritualize every passage in the Word of God and next thing you know you ain't got nothing left but John 3 16 they done messed it all up they don't believe all the promises. Listen, there's over 500 prophecies yet to be fulfilled by the second coming of Jesus Christ, and they got to throw every one of them away. Because they want to spiritualize it and say, well, he's not going to come back and establish his kingdom. Jesus said he was. What do you think he was preaching when he's preaching in Matthew 2? Right? He's preaching about a kingdom. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and 8. What's he talking about? The kingdom of heaven will be like it on too. He Guess what? There's come a kingdom. And these clowns want to say that it's over with and done away with? They're crippled too high for crutches. Jesus hasn't sat on a throne and established a kingdom yet. Revelation 11, 15. That's future. And guess what? The book of Ezekiel says. Guess what it says? <laughs> Amen. The King David's going to be sitting beside him. Have you seen King David sit beside Jesus yet? And the 12 apostles are going to be sitting on literal thrones. Judging. In the kingdom. And guess what? If I suffer with him, I can... Reign with him. I'm going to reign one day. Amen. In the kingdom. There's a literal kingdom coming. and These people don't want to believe it. You know what? They're messing up the Bible doctrine. They mess up churches. Amen. I had 10 of them sit right in here. And when I got done preaching the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, they're gone. They had the truth. Not one of them wanted to change what they believe according to the scriptures. And I showed them beyond a shadow of a doubt. So, what happened? Brother Dax brought on them guys in, and Brother Dax basically probably lost fellowship with all them guys. Amen. And that one guy that he brought in tried to divide me and Brother Mark and Brother Dax, and they come to find out that that guy is so full of poison, it's unbelievable. Amen. He said, Well, he's a good man, he's a nice guy. He's preaching heresy. Yep. He wouldn't leave his heretical teachings of his church when he found out the truth. Why? Because he'd lose meetings. Comes down to a living, a livelihood, money. He'd lose meetings. He'd be ostracized. He had all these preacher boys looking up to him. He'd have to sit back and tell him, I've been wrong. So he chose to reject the truths of the word of God to stick to what he was brought up, learning. See, what is it? He believes he's an omelinist, no kingdom. And you know what ultimately they believe? They believe the church will bring it in. That's what a post believes. Amen. Let's end there. Father, we do love you. Thank you, Lord, for being so good and kind to us. We just ask you to bless today the word of God in Jesus' name.